true, isn't it? Uh, you think you know what having kids is all about, and then you have kids, and you realize you didn't know anything about having kids. Maybe that just happened to me, but I can tell you before you have kids, or before I had kids, you know, I thought uh, having kids was all about smiles and giggles and warm cuddles, and then you have kids and you find out it's more about dirty diapers and crying and staying up all night and things along those nature, right? You still have the, the smiles and the giggles and the warm cuddles, but they're, they're, they go alongside all those other things that you, you end up facing. You think you know what you're getting into, but you really don't. You, you think, oh, I've got this figured out, but you really don't. I mean, how many of you this morning, when you were growing up, said, Mom, when I get to be an adult, this is what I'm going to do with my kids, right? I'm not going to make them go to bed at a certain time. Just wait till you have kids. That bedtime is not so much for you as it is your parents. That's called sanity, right? I mean, our kids go to bed at the same time every night. Not so much because it's good for them, but because we have to maintain some sanity in our home. And maybe you judge us for that. I don't know, but I don't really care. We're going to keep doing it. Because I've learned that what you think having kids is all about and what having kids is actually about are two different things. I remember... Uh, when we first found out that we're, we were having a baby, I was telling Crystal, I was like, you know, I, I'm going to have him. I was just beginning seminary, or I was a little bit into seminary, and I was like, you know, I'm going to have him reading Greek and Hebrew and memorizing all these doctrines and stuff, and we're going to have this perfect, wonderful, quiet worship time every night. We're gonna, it's going to be amazing. Yeah, that hasn't happened. Right? I mean, it's way different. You, you have children, and you go from dream mode to survival mode. You go from all the stuff you thought you were going to do to the stuff we got to do. And then we had, uh, Josiah, I think, was 17 months old, and we had our second baby. Now, before we had Zoe, our thought was, oh, well, even before we had Josiah, our thought was, you know, we'll have five, six, seven, who knows how many. We have two. We're like, we have any more. These things are going to outnumber us. We better think this through and at least give it some more thought before we keep uh, down this path. Because you, uh, the more you have your kids and the more they spend time in your life, the more you realize, man, I had no idea. I had no idea about life even. And, and let, let, me, let me back up and say I'm not complaining about my children. They are awesome it's nothing wrong with having children. I feel like I'm supposed to say that. And I'm just kidding. It, I, I, we do. We love our kids and, and we, you know, we have a lot of fun, but they have changed everything about the way we think about the world around us. Everything that we think about life. Uh, you, you know, you, you think about the way before you have kids, the way that you think about home, the way I thought about home before and after children, two totally different things. Before I had children, it was my mom and dad's house. It was my buddy's house. It was the apartment I lived in in seminary. It was really, home was where my stuff was. I, I mean, I didn't really have a whole lot of issues going from one place to the other because, well, you know, no big deal. Even after we first got married, Crystal and I had no problem moving from here to there to over there. No big deal. Like, let's just pack up and move. You know, you know what? I, I don't really like some of this stuff. Let's just leave it or get rid of it. Yeah. After you have children, that changes. It becomes harder every time. Not only do they have more stuff you've got to pack and unpack and find because they get upset when you move and they can't find their toys and they don't like the new house because it doesn't have the toys it had at the last house and you deal with that. But Not that I'm speaking from experience or anything, but, but 
But you, you begin to put down roots and you begin to think, man, if we move, we have to find a new school, we have to find new friends, not to mention, you know, grandma and granddad may, may actually kill us this time. Like they threatened it last time. They, they sniffled a little bit when it was just me moving off. But when you start taking grandbabies away, that's a whole different ball game. I saw that line that said, having grandkids is almost better than having kids. From what I understand, people have kids just so they can have grandkids. And so, uh, I mean, it, you, you, once you have children, everything changes about the way you think about home and about where your home is. Everything changes about the way you think about family. I remember before I, uh, I had children and before I got married, family meant to me mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, aunts, uncles, cousins and, and those those folks and, and you know we enjoyed spending time together we'd go to birthday parties we'd do things together but then at the end of those things you know what happened everybody went home to their own house now family means they come with me like there's no getting rid of them right i mean they go where you go i was thinking about this this yesterday as a matter of fact um i I knew I was going to have a busy day, and so I knew if I was going to get any dad time, I had to get up pretty early. And so, no, no lie, I got up right at 5, maybe a little before 5. You know what time Josiah got up? 5.10. I hear, boom, 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 boom. Dad, Dad, what are you doing? Let's do something, Dad. You know what time he gets up during the week? Like 6, and it takes him 30 minutes to go from zombie to actually functioning. He hears Dad's going to, he feels, I think he senses Dad's having dad time. He's like, oh, I, uh-uh. Not on my watch. I ain't got to go to school. And, and so like this dad time doesn't happen. And so your family comes home with you. Used to your family went home and took care of themselves, cleaned themselves, fed themselves. Not no more. Right? I mean, they come home with you. You're responsible. Uh, and, and not only that, uh, you, you think about the way that you go from thinking about home and you think about family to the way that you think about safety. I remember... Before I had a wife and before I had children, safety was not something that was on my radar. It wasn't so much that I didn't think about it often. I never thought about it. Like, I usually slept with the door unlocked. Like, you think you want something in here? Come on in. I got something for you, right? I mean, I'm not worried. I'm not scared. There's nothing to worry me. Now, man, I hear a bump in the middle of the night. I can't go back to sleep. I'm not going to lie, the, the ice maker has made me get up with a shotgun and do a patrol once or twice. Because I'm thinking, who is after my family? I have to protect my family. They are not safe. And so this idea of safety now, it, you know, it encompasses my life. How am I going to take care of these kids? How am I going to keep them safe? And so my, my, my family, my, my children, has changed the way I even think about safety, the way I think about what safe is, what I think about what home is, what I think about what family is. You see, everything that you thought you knew, you really didn't know before you had children. Just a, a heads up for those of you who have babies, and you know, we just did a baby dedication. Aren't you looking forward to this? You're like, man, the preacher really doesn't like his kids. I love my children, I promise. We have lots of fun. But hey, the deal is, is it just changes the way you think about the world. It changes the way that you think about everything in life. And so what I wanted to do this morning is I wanted to talk to you about, about how Jesus comes into our lives and he changes everything about the way we think about our own lives. I, I want us to look in this passage of Scripture that shows us that Jesus, what he does is he comes in and he says, oh, you thought this was home? No, that's not home. 
Oh, you thought that was family? Oh, that's not family. Oh, you thought this over here was safe? No, no, that's not safe. I, I want to show you as he interacts with a, a few different people in this passage that we're going to look at this morning in Matthew chapter 8, beginning in verse 18, that Jesus, what he does is he changes the way that we think about everything in our life. Matthew chapter 8, beginning in verse 18, we read these words in Matthew's gospel. He says, now, now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Let's pray. God, I just want to thank you again. Lord, what an awesome thing it is to see this morning as, as parents are, are willing to, to say, yes, I'm going to do whatever it takes to raise my children the way that God would have me to raise them. God, what an awesome thing it is to see a church family say, yes, we will do whatever it takes to help parents raise their children. God, what, a, what an amazing privilege it is to gather in this place today and open up your word with your people and talk about who you are, what you are doing, and, and how you're doing it. Lord, I, I pray that as we look at this, this Scripture this morning, as we look at your Word to us this morning, God, that you would, that you would change us. Lord Jesus, would you come and change the way we think about home and, and family and safety? Lord, would you speak to us in a new and in a fresh way? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And so what, what I want to do this morning with the time that we have is, is I, I want to spend some time, if you're somebody who's following Jesus, I want to spend some time with you just examining your life and asking yourself, am I, am I living the way that God would have me to live? Am I, am I defining home and family and safety the way that Jesus defines it? And, and if you're not following Christ, if you're not someone who's a Christian, I would ask you to examine your life and ask yourself, why you would not choose to follow Jesus in this way, why you would choose to not see home the way that he sees it. And ask yourself if you're really safe by staying away from him. And so, so this passage that I just read is, is a description to us of a, of a scribe, a teacher of the law, somebody who was a religious leader of the day, coming up to Jesus and saying, hey, I want to go wherever you go. Matthew points out for us here that Jesus sees a huge crowd and he gave orders to go to the other side. In other words, Jesus is getting pressed in, and, and he doesn't have much room to work. He doesn't have much space. And so he looks at his disciples, these young men who had been following him, and he says, guys, we need to go to the other side. We need to go to the other side of the sea, is where he was talking about. Now, the reason why there's this huge crowd, we learned just a few verses before this, is Jesus had been healing people. And you just think about it. In this day and age, when somebody was sick, there's not a whole lot of places to go to get healed. Like their, their understanding of medicine is not real great. Not only that, these people have serious ailments that no one could heal. And so they're bringing people to Jesus and they're saying, hey, we don't know what to do. And Jesus is healing them. He, he's, he's making them well. And as he makes them well, guess what they do? They tell their friends. And what do their friends do? They're like, hey, I'm sick or I know somebody who's sick. And so they all begin to come to Jesus and say, hey, we need your help. We need you to heal us. The scribe, this religious leader, says, Jesus is a popular guy. He's got some stuff I think I want. I think I want to follow him. I think I want to be a part of his group. I think I want to be 
his disciple. I want to see what he's about because I want some of what he's got. And so this, this scribe comes up and he looks at Jesus and he says, I will go wherever you go. Almost as if he's giving Jesus a blank check and saying, hey man, you just tell me where you're headed and I am in. You name it, I'm on my way. I'm ready for this adventure. I'm ready to do this. I mean, it sounds really good, right? I mean, that's the response we should have to Jesus. But Jesus looks at him. He's like, I, I got you. I got you. But before you jump in this boat, I need to tell you something. Me and my boys, me and my disciples, me and these guys that are following me, yeah, we don't really have anywhere to call home. Wait, well, what do you mean? Well, you know a fox. Like they, they have a hole in the ground. They have a burrow. They have a place that they call Home. They have a place they can go for safety, for comfort, for warmth. When they're afraid, they can go and they can hide in that hole. They have a home. Yeah, I don't have one of them. Well, and you know birds, you know how they build nests and trees and the, where they're safe from all the animals on the ground and they can bunker down and be safe and warm and, and cared for. Well, Peter and James and John and Matthew and myself and these other guys, yeah, we don't have one of those. We don't have somewhere to call home. In fact, there's a lot of nights that we end up sleeping under the stars. We go from place to place. We don't have a, a safe place. We don't have a, a comfort place. What he's saying to this man is, it sounds really good, but if you follow me, you need to start thinking about home completely different. You need to start thinking about home in a completely different manner than you do up to this point in your life. Jesus is saying to this man, who is very excited to follow him, no, you really don't want to follow me. Because if you follow me, all the security, all the safety, all the stuff you got, yeah, you're going to have to leave that behind. No more cozy bed, no more warmth, no more comfort. Yeah, there, there's no front door to greet you on the way home because you don't have one. Man, Jesus, you got an awesome opportunity for a disciple here. What are you doing running him away? We're trying to build this thing, not tear it down, right? What's Jesus saying to this man? He's saying, you got the wrong idea about what you actually need. You don't need to build your kingdom. If you're following me, you will be about building my kingdom. You see, Jesus is not saying it's wrong to have a house. Like, he's not calling us. I'm not calling us this morning to go home and sell our houses and just be, become vagabonds and nomads that wander around. No, what he's saying is, is we have no earthly attachments. If we lose everything we have today, tomorrow we're still all right. Because we know where our true home is. We know where we're actually headed. The, these disciples are following me because they're more committed to me than anything else in this world. Can you say the same? Are you willing to give up everything that you call comfort? Are you willing to give up everything that you hold dear in order to follow me? Are you willing to redefine home? Are you willing to redefine home this morning? Are you willing to say, you know what? The stuff I have is not near as important as my relationship with Him. I've spent way too much time on this stuff when I should have been chasing Him. What in your life is keeping you from going all in with Him? What in your life is keeping you from saying, you know what? Wherever you go, I'll go. I don't care if I don't have a home. Maybe this morning He, he is calling you to go somewhere that's not safe somewhere that's not comfortable. You know, he calls people to do that. He calls people to go places that they never would have thought about going, to do things they never thought about doing. And the only way you do that is if you don't think about home 
as a house or possessions or a place, but as a person. You see, wherever the disciples were, they were home because they were with Jesus. The disciple, the person who follows Christ, is home no matter what because he's always with Christ because he is home. And so if you follow him, you end up with a home forever. But also we, we see that Jesus redefines family for us in verse 21. In verse 21, uh, Matthew writes this. He says, Another of the disciples ran up to him, uh, said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, uh, Follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. Man, that's really rough. Especially if you don't understand what, what's going on here. This guy's not saying, Hey, you know, we got, we got a funeral tomorrow and I need to take care of that and then I'll meet you on the other side of the sea. That's not what this guy is saying. What he's saying is, I actually need to wait until my, my father passes away. You know, there's this inheritance, and, you know, I want to make sure my dad's taken care of, and I want to make sure everything's taken care of before I leave. I really I have too many obligations to go right now. I have too many other things to worry about right now to, to truly go all in with you. I mean, who, I would really hate to walk out on this. I mean, I've been waiting my whole life for this inheritance. I'd really hate to give up everything I've invested in all these years just to follow you complete contrast to the disciples who are in the, in the moment of fishing with their father. Jesus says, follow me. They leave their nets. They leave their family. And they follow Jesus wherever he says to go. Now, now I want to qualify this because right now some of you are like, man, so you're saying I don't have to take care of my parents. That's not what I'm saying at all. That's definitely not what Jesus is saying. He spends a lot of time blasting people who don't take care of their family. You think about the Pharisees, he, like it, he blasts them hard because they had come up with these rules that said basically, you know, you can get out of taking care of your parents, you can take, get out of taking care of your family. Jesus himself, he's dying on the cross, and who's he thinking about? His mama. John, will you take care of my mother? You, you, she is now your mother. Mary, John is now your son. In other words, I'm going to make sure my mother is taken care of. And so, so hear Jesus saying... Just abandon your family. In fact, Paul, the apostle, when he writes to the church, he says, listen, guys, the, the person who doesn't provide for and take care of his own family, not just his wife and children, but his entire family, well, they're worse than someone who doesn't follow Christ at all. And, and so what we're not saying, and Jesus is not saying, that we have no responsibility to care for our families. What he's saying is, is don't hide behind them. Don't use them as an excuse not to serve him. Don't use your family as an excuse not to follow him. He's also saying there's something deeper available to those who follow him than those who don't. He's saying there's a difference between those who follow Christ and those who don't. He's saying there's a deeper bond and a deeper relationship that can be found not through flesh and blood, but through a spiritual unity around the mission of God. Later on when Jesus is teaching his mom and brothers are outside and like, tell Jesus to come outside. We need to talk to him. And, and so they come in and like, Jesus, your, your family's outside. And he's like, no, my family are those who do the will of the Father. In other words, we are united by the mission of God even more deeply than flesh and blood can unite us. And so while we care for those who, uh, who we are related to and we care for those who we're related through, to, through ancestry and those sorts of things, our forever family is made up of those who are followers of Christ. Guys, why, why would we not invest in the people we're going to spend eternity with? 
Ask yourself this morning, where, where's your priority? Is it on folks who are following Christ? Is it on, uh, on spending time with them to further the kingdom of God? Or is it on your own personal kingdom? Ask, ask yourself who you're giving the most attention to and what you're giving the most attention to. It, one of the most beautiful things you will ever see in this world is a church that is a family. A church that cares so deeply for each other. You can't tell the difference between those who are related by blood and those who aren't. I know that's one thing in our church here that everybody's related to somebody, right? So you always got to be careful about what you say about anybody. I don't, for those of you who don't know that, it's true. Um, in fact, I'm related to some of you, right? And wh- whether I admit it or not, I, I am. And so we, we have those conversations pretty regularly about our, our family connections. Uh, but what, one thing I think is, is so amazing here at Grand is that it's really hard to tell. It's hard to tell sometimes who's actually related by last name and who is related by the, the blood of Christ. And that, that, that should be our aim as a body of believers. See, Jesus is not saying, well, just, just cast your family aside, cast your mom and dad aside, cast those who brought you into this world aside. No, what he is saying is, don't hide behind them so much that you don't spend time with the people who you're going to spend eternity with. Make sure you invite other people into your family. That's what Jesus is trying to get across here. Once you understand that those who walk with Christ are your family, then you have a family you'll never lose. Once you understand that those who are walking with Jesus are your family, you'll never be alone. The the most awesome thing to see is a church family that's family, not just on Sunday morning, but all week long. A church family that doesn't need an event to spend time with one another. People that actually enjoy each other outside of, of... a church event. And so I, I want to encourage you this morning. Ask yourself, how am I investing in not just my own physical family, but my spiritual family? How am I spending time with them to help them grow in Christ? To make sure they're taken care of. And, and then, so th- then let me, let me finish with this. Verse 23. And when he got into the boat... Remember, they're walking to the boat. He's getting over to the other side. He told his disciples, let's go to the other side. Verse 23, and when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. Apparently, the scribe and this other guy decide to go on home. They decide to, to go back to where they define home and where they define family. Verse 24, and behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. And they went and woke him and saying, and saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even the winds and sea obey him? And so these other guys go home, but the disciples get in the boat. They go to the other side, or they're on their way to the other side. The sea that they're on has a huge storm come up on it. These are professional fishermen. This is not their first time on the sea. They're out in the middle of the sea. There's this huge storm. And all of a sudden, it looks like they're going to sink. You can imagine the fear in their minds. These are, these are guys who have seen plenty of storms. And they know, hey, the water's coming in. water's coming in faster than we can get it out. We're about to be on the bottom. We're not going to make it. We're not going to make it out of this. But the guy whose idea it was to go to the other side is taking a nap. You can imagine their fear. Jesus isn't even awake. 
He's sleeping. He's resting in the back of the boat while they're over there rowing and bailing out water. They're going, they're going, they're going. They're like, man, we're about to die here. So they go and they wake Jesus up and they say, Lord, save us. We are perishing. We're dying. We're in the process of dying. Save us. And guys, you've got to love Jesus' response. His response is, why are you afraid? I don't know, because we're going to drown? Like, I mean, what, 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 how would you respond to that? The boat is sinking. There's nothing we can do about it. Did you, did you miss the part where we said we were dying? Where's your faith at, boys? I don't know. You were taking a nap. I don't know what to do here. You can just imagine. They're bailing, 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 and nothing's happening. Jesus isn't helping at all. And guys, if we're honest, we've all been there. In our lives, we, have done, we find ourselves in places sometimes where we do everything we can do. We do everything God has called us to. We're even headed where He told us to go. This was all His idea. But He's not helping. At least it appears He's not helping. So you can just imagine, like you lose your job or, or something terrible happens in your life and you're doing everything you can to fix it and nothing's happening. You know, bills are piling up. No matter what doctor you call, nothing happens. And you're like, what do I do? I'm bailing water. I'm doing everything I can, but nothing's taking place. Like, I'm not getting anywhere. In fact, it looks like I'm getting pretty close to going under. Maybe you ought to do what the disciples did. Lord, hey, um, I'm dying here. Could you help? Could you save me? And Jesus says, why are you afraid? Why, why are you upset? And he looks at the waves and the winds, and he says, y'all, y'all shut up. Be quiet. Sorry, I didn't mean to say shut up. I, I said it again. But one time I said that, and a little girl was like, after church, she was like, Brother John said shut up. But anyway, so probably my little girl. But if she heard me, I would get in trouble. But, but he, he tells the waves. He's like, y'all be quiet. Y'all settle down. You know what the wind and waves do? Do they disobey? Do they argue? Do they complain? No, Matthew tells us that they stop. In fact, he says there's a, a great calm across the, the, the sea. Remember, Matthew is an eyewitness. Like, he's not getting this second hand. This is something that he saw take place. He is telling us, y'all, I thought I was going to die. We woke Jesus up. Next thing I know, there's a great calm. I don't know if you've ever been on, on Lake Washita you know, early in the morning before the, the water starts to roll and before the wind picks up. And man, you look out there and it's just a, a sheet of glass. I don't know if there's anything more pretty in the whole world than you know, just that, that calmness that you see. And you know, as the day goes on, you see more and more waves. But, but I imagine that's probably what they saw. They, they saw a storm, and all of a sudden they saw a calm. So not only the wind, but the waves obey him. And so they say, what manner of man is this? That even the wind and the waves obey him. And even the thing that we thought was going to kill us runs and hides at his word. What they learn here is something that we need to learn. Jesus is actually in control. Like he actually has the will, right? I know what Carrie Underwood says. Jesus take the will. Maybe you need to say that this morning. But, but, but what we have to understand is no matter what we are going through, Jesus has the power to handle it. Now, does that mean that every time we go through a hard time, we just got to believe enough and, and pray enough, and all of a sudden everything will get calm and fixed? Not necessarily. There are times when we're going through a hard time, we think we ain't going to make it, and Jesus is asleep in our minds not doing anything. Okay, let, let me offer you some advice because I, I make this mistake quite often. When 
things aren't going the way I want them to go, typically what I do rather than going and saying, Lord, save me, Lord, help me, um, is I say, let me bail a little harder. Let me row the boat a little harder. Sometimes let me jump out the boat, right? But what we ought to do is pray and ask him and say, Lord, I'll tell you what, if you ain't going to do nothing, neither am I. I don't know what to do. I'm going to wait on you. You sleeping, I'm going to sleep next to you. Because if you're not worried, why should I be? Who's worried in this boat? Everybody but Jesus. He's asleep. Guys, you don't sleep if you're not worried. I mean, if you're worried. Like, if he was worried, he'd been up helping them. He's not worried. You know why? Because he knows that he's more powerful than the storm. He knows as soon as he's ready for it to be over, it will be over. He's perfectly comfortable asleep during the middle of the storm because he knows who's actually in control. Do you? Do you know this morning that the person that you trust in, the person that you are following, is more powerful than whatever you're going through? It doesn't matter how high the waves are. He's actually still bigger than they are. He's not worried about it. He's not like, oh man, I didn't see that coming. No, he, he, he knows. He, the Bible tells us that not a hair from our head falls to the ground apart from his will. Thanks, Lord. Right? But anyway, but, but I, I mean, he knows what you're going through and he has the ability and the power to stop it soon as you need him to. Maybe this morning, the reason why he's allowing the storm to go on is to remind you of who's actually in control. To remind you that it's not about what you can do, it's about what he can do. Even the winds and the waves obey him. Maybe this morning you, you need to redefine safe. Because I, I think what happens to us is we begin to think that safe is a lack of um, hard circumstances. That safe is easy. That safe is comfortable. That safe is not having to worry about anything. Guys, that's not safe. In fact, I'd argue with you that that's more closer to death if you're living in this world. No, no, safe is being next to the one who can say to the wind and the waves at any moment, stop, and they will stop. You see, see the guys who decided not to follow Jesus, I imagine them standing on the shore and saying, boy, I sure am glad I didn't leave my house. I sure am glad I didn't leave my, my folks. Those poor boys, probably read about it on the news tomorrow. They just don't know how to play it safe. I guess we'll... See him washing up here in a little bit. But what they didn't know is that the safest place in the world at that moment was on that boat. What they didn't know is the safest place in the universe was right next to the Savior. See, what they didn't understand and what these disciples were beginning to learn is that Jesus is the safest place in the world for you to be. Guys, we, we can try this morning, we can try to, to hang on to what we think of as home and comfort and safe. We can try and hang on to what we think of as family. We, we can try and hang on to these things, but at some point they're going to be gone. I don't care how much stuff you got. I don't care how great a house you got. Either it's going to be gone or you're going to be gone. Uh, it's a little known fact. Well, you know, one in one people die. Like here in America, we have a 100% death rate. It doesn't matter how safe you play it. I don't care if you eat kale for every meal. You're not getting out apart from Him. You see, if you put your faith and your trust in Him and you begin to follow Him, you know what happens? You get a new home. A home in heaven that will never be taken from you. 
You, you get a new family, a, a family that will be with you forever. And, and you are the safest person in the universe because the, the one who has you in his hands will never let you go. And he gives you a life that will last for eternity, no matter what happens. What, what are you going to do with Jesus this morning? How are you going to respond to him? Are you going to let him change the way that you think about these things? Are you going to let him change the way that you think about your home and your family and your life? Are you going to say, Lord, wherever, I, wherever you want to go, that's where I'm headed. And when he says to you, now you need to understand, I may take you somewhere you don't actually want to go. Are you going to say, no, nah, I'm going home? Or are you going to say, all right, wherever you go, that's my home, Lord. Wherever you lead me, that's where I'm headed. Wherever you say is safe, that, that's safe to me. You, you see, our Lord and our Savior is not someone who doesn't care about us. I think sometimes we get in our mind that, that maybe he has all the power, but maybe, maybe he doesn't care for us. Guys, can I, can I share with you this morning that he does actually care for you? In fact, the Bible tells us that, that Jesus doesn't stop at calming the, the wind and the waves, but that he goes all the way to the cross. And, and at the cross, what does he do? Well, he dies for us. The Bible tells us that as he hangs on the cross, what is he doing? He's paying for our sins. He's paying for my sins. He's paying for your sins. He's paying a debt that we could never pay. God tells us that the only way we get to heaven is perfection. Raise your hand if you're perfect. Don't, don't raise your hand because you're not perfect. We'll all have to call you a liar right in front of everybody, even in front of mama. But, but, but no one is perfect. No one can enter into heaven apart from being perfect. But the, the Bible tells us that Jesus, he dies on the cross and he offers to us his righteousness. His salvation, what He did, His perfect obedience to the Father in exchange for all of our mess-ups, for all of our sins. And, and He says, I, rather than you spending eternity apart from Me, rather you, than you spending eternity in hell, I want you to spend eternity with Me in heaven. I want you to have eternal life in an eternal home with an eternal family, which is the safest place you could possibly be. So I ask you this morning, what are you going to do with Jesus? Are you going to respond to him? Or are you going to say, nah, that doesn't sound safe to me. That doesn't sound like home to me. That doesn't sound like life to me. Because it's the only home, the only safety, the only life worth living for. If you would stand with us, and as you stand, we're, I'm going to pray for you. And after I pray, we're going to have a time of invitation. And during that time, if you feel uh, the, the need to come and, and to pray with me, if you feel the, the need to respond and give Christ your heart and your life, you, know, you do that. But whatever God is doing in your life this morning, would you do as we sing? Let, let me pray for us. Father, I thank you. Lord, I thank you that you give us an opportunity like this to respond to you. Lord, I thank you that you give us an opportunity every day to walk with you. And Lord, I pray that we'd be obedient to you. God, I pray that we would find our safety and our security in our home, in our life, in you. Help us now, O oh Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you come as we sing? Just as I...